What is good, y'all? It is your boy Jonathan here. Uh, Want to chat with you real quickly about Magic Mind. Now, I have talked to some of y'all that listen to my show in real life, and they're like, yo, I'm so interested in Magic Mind. What is it? Well, again, <laughs> if you've been listening, if you've been paying attention, Magic Mind is a herbal supplement with all kinds of incredible ingredients. Um, we got lion's mane mushrooms in here. We got turmeric in here. We got ash. Waganda in here, all of these great ingredients in here to support brain power, brain function, blood flow, and I truly, truly love it. So uh, remember, I have that code for y'all. It is Duma20. You can go to magicmind.co. That is magicmind.co. Type in that Duma20 at checkout to take advantage of that 20% off discount there and uh, check it out for yourself. And if you do not like it on that first purchase, you have that money back guarantee. So go ahead, check it out. Let me know how you feel about it and see how it's going. Uh, trust me, you will love it. Trust me, trust me, trust me. All right, y'all, let's get to it. All right, time for your highly visible stories of the week. Uh, well, I hopefully they're really visible. The first one is, let's talk Representative George Santos because this dude is wildin'. So... A little bit backstory here. December 2022, I think the New York Times released incredible reporting done about um, Representative George Santos, basically outlining a lot of his resume was made up or false, right? Just straight up lies. So first is education, where he worked, said he worked at Goldman Sachs. They have no record of him. Said he had a foundation or something like that. Um, Said he was Jewish. He is not Jewish at all. So all of that came out. So he's been under scrutiny for like the last five or six months. Um, and there has been calls for his resignation, which he's just basically ignored. Uh, House Speaker McCarthy has basically been given non-answers about, you know, calling for his resignation, so on and so forth. Anyways, so fast forward to this week, the week of May, what is it? May 8th, um, breaking news that charges, federal charges were filed against him and that he needs to report to federal court ASAP. So he reports to federal court and apparently, oh boy, uh, 13 federal charges that were brought up against him. That includes fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds, and false statements. Uh, Now, to be fair, uh, Representative George Santos in court as of May 10th uh, pled not guilty to these charges. But yeah, it's it's really really wild. That's all that that's pretty much out um, right now. Uh, but I, I think this is pretty significant news, and it says something about like the larger um, landscape of of not just public discourse, but our political landscape here in the U.S. Right? We look at we have Congress people telling blatant lies about their resumes, what they do, um, how they came to be, so on and so forth, and when called on it makes up excuses or, or or drums up more lies. And then as of today, being federal charges being brought up against somebody like that, it's just really, really wild. And so we talk about like even, you know, House Speaker, fellow Republicans, how some of them are really, there's not real, you know, pressure from uh, Republican leaders to uh, have this person give up that seat because of the the um, overarching power structure that the Republicans have over the House is just kind of despicable. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's really, really frustrating. Another really big reminder of like the state of our politics here in uh, the U.S. It's really, really tough. But I'm going to keep y'all updated on to that and see what's popping with that because that's very, very, it's wild. It's wild that something like that has happened. Okay, so the second piece of news comes out of the state of Texas, and we're not going to be covering, I'm not going to be talking about the Allen Mall um, mass shooting. Um, there's just so many uh, mass shootings that it would be really difficult to discuss every single week. Um, but truly, yeah, we're hoping for some kind of, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know, y'all. Um, I don't know what to say. I, I want to hope. I don't have any hope. Um the U.S. government loves guns more than they love their people. Um, so, but I do want to talk about something that else that is pretty crucial that's happening um, down in the state of Texas. Um, there is a Senate bill, Senate Bill 17, that actually just passed in the last uh, few weeks here. Um, and is moving on to the state house, which would effectively ban DEI offices from, um, from public university campuses. 
essentially what what does that mean? So Repub- Texas Texas Republicans, and this is a trope, have said have like this belief that DEI offices or even initiatives and services are used to promote um, some kind of like woke agenda, quote unquote, um, to indoctrinate students to be exclusive, be seen as more divisive, right? Which anybody that's listening to this podcast know that that's all bullshit. But basically, any and all diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging services that are going to be done through public institutions, all of that actually would have to go through some type of education review board within the state of Texas to be even seen as viable or to... um, let me actually read this so y'all know. So under the bill, a university could only access funding appropriated for the fiscal year once its governing board submits a report certifying compliance to the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board. The state would periodically conduct a compliance audit to determine, quote, whether the institution has spent state money in violation. A university board designee would also be required to tes- testify on compliance before legislative committees. Um and so, like, essentially, there are stonewalling and putting, like, a paywall. Uh, and this is typically what happens within state governments or even federal governments when institutions want money and they want to force public institutions to do that or public entities to do something. Um, they essentially create some kind of, like, rule or um, barrier or something like that to for you to qualify for that. Although it's not, it technically leaves some room for public institutions to actually receive those receive funding one but also like oh we could still do it right we know that particularly in the state of texas or even florida when we think about some of these um republican-led state governments right that there is no interest in actual diversity equity inclusion and belonging work and so that's why it's essentially they're being shut down so this is something that's really, really fascinating. I'm going to keep uh, my eye on this. I pulled this reporting from ABC 13 out of uh, local reporting done um, out of Houston. Um, shout out to them for doing some great reporting on this. But it's, you know, it's it's really, really wild, right? That um, that you are literally dismantling a whole thing without even trying to f- fix even some of the small um imperfections within the system, right? Um, I think I saw Senator Jose Menendez uh, out of San Antonio, Democrat out of San Antonio, said, if you want to fix this problem, let's get a sur- let's get surgical about it. Let's not take a sledgehammer to, to something that we can fix with a scalpel, right? And this is not a way to send a message to Texas that is open for business to everyone. And when we know about diversity, equity, inclusion, especially as some, for me as somebody who benefited from DEI programming at an institution that was predominantly white um, and incredibly racist, is that like when you see other people that look like you, when you're supported by people that look like you, when you have things that are directed towards you, um, that are supporting you, encouraging you, and empowering you, um, and equipping you in ways that academia, quite honestly, isn't um, and is ill-equipped to do, you're actually telling students of color, any actually beyond students of color, uh, any marginalized or historically excluded uh, community that attends a predominantly white institution that they don't matter. So, yeah, that is that is this piece of news. I'm gonna keep a lookout on it. I'm gonna try and make these more happy too, to see if I can find some other happy happy ones because this feels like it's so always like a down like a down kind of piece of news. So I would love to find something that's like happy. Got to find some happy news. But that is it, y'all. That's a little bit of like some of the stories that are that are popping up in the next, uh, yeah, the last uh, week or so. Um, all right, let's get to this conversation with my guest. But okay, let's like, let's, let's, let's chat. Let's, 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 let's get into this. So um, I'm like, I think, when we first chatted a little bit, like about a year ago, I was like so fascinated by your background because you do some acting as well as like you're in HR. So I'm like, Patch is doing so many cool things. Um, but I would love for you to just like share, you know, a little bit about who you are, what you're up to, um, what you're excited about, um, all those things. What you got going on, Patrick? Sure. So uh, I am Patrick or Patrick Lodonis, Patrick Sutton, depending on what day it is and what I'm promoting but i think okay. regardless it's it's all it's it's all wrapped into one um i'm a people and culture enthusiast leader in tech uh, believe in people first for the culture 
and I'm also a, a filmmaker, a screenwriter. Mm. I uh, created a amazing web series and it is streaming on multiple platforms. And mm-hmm. I consider myself to be the Issa Rae Jr. of low budget, <laughs> <laughs> low budget web series, but it, it, yes. it has heart. It has heart and yes. it has representation in many facets. And so mm. in a nutshell, that's kind of who I am. I'm just a multi-hyphenate that can really plays up his strengths as a creative in both the HR tech space and in the creative film space. I love that. Well, you didn't even say the name of the 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 the, the, the short the web series. Come on now. It scales, right? Oh, I, I know. I did a little research. Scales. Yes, yes. It's all about balance. It's about balance. So yeah, yeah. Well, tell tell. Like, I want to know more. I I'm not even gonna. I watched the um the interview you did. Uh, just talking. Yeah, talking about the um talking about scales. And I'm actually. I'll after this. I'm for sure gonna to to watch it for sure. Um. Uh. But I would love to learn a little bit more about like tell the people what it is so you can get some more views on that thing. Sure. So scales is the, um, I, I always tell people it's the, what if, what if insecure and Noah's Ark and queerest folk had a child and scales mm. is what you get. Because I do say that it, it is an LGBTQ plus centered show, but it's also mm. a, a human centered show. And I say that mm. because the stories are relatable to everyone. Doesn't matter your um, doesn't matter your sexuality. I wanted to mm. I wanted to create content and tell stories with characters that were entertaining and interesting, but also that were relatable to everyone. And it also removes the the stigma behind your um, who you love or how you love because I think as people mm. we're all just trying to figure it out so that's why the show's called scales because I think we're just trying mm. to balance stuff in life and also because I'm in Atlanta and when I first moved here music was everything and so all mm. of the music featured in scales is by independent artists that you probably yes. would never you wouldn't hear them unless you tuned into scales and these are some dope indie artists that can blow like amazing artists. yes yes actually indie artists are like some of my favorite like going to like a small show um and just like hearing these like local artists because like they haven't been like corrupted by like the the main like mainstream i guess you could say mm-hmm. um there's just like the very similar sounds right like when we think about i was having a conversation with somebody yesterday of just like uh little baby there's like 15 little babies like in the industry right now all of them sound the same right um and like that pop like there's like this pop kind of deal whatever i love listening to indie artists because like the freedom to be creative um and like shine in like whatever way that you want and combining things that don't necessarily i would never think to do like honestly i would never think to do um but uh that's that's super cool um what like inspired you to do something like that or write that story for scales you know, there was a lot. There's a lot there that made me want to do it. One, I was always inspired by the creativity of filmmakers. Like I want mm-hmm. when I was in college, I went to Tougaloo College. I'm giving it a shout out. It's a small right, HBCU in Mississippi. And I made <laughs> I was one of the first to make a student film. It was a horror oh, film wow. because I, I'm obsessed with horror, the genre. And it was kind of like a full circle moment for me to create this because I'd been talking about it for years. Like, oh, I would love to get back into storytelling and all that stuff. But Mm. it was August 2017 while I was over in um, Barcelona, Spain with my best friend for vacation when a Mm. terrorist attack happened. And it happened there, like right Mm. where we were. And it literally was one of those moments where my best friend was like, we could have like literally we could have been um, killed that day. And Mm. it was like, you know, life is short. And while we were there, I had been talking about, I just saw like, I think an episode of Awkwardly Black Girl on YouTube. Mm. He's like, you keep talking about it. You need to just put it up on YouTube, just create something. And literally Mm. that night I started writing uh, because I traveled with my laptop. I started writing the pilot for scales. And I remember Issa saying that 
when you create your content, you usually use some real life experiences. And so I actually, Scales is loosely based on stories of my own and some of my really good friends from our journey in life and relationships Mm -hmm. and careers. And that became the sort of the focal point. And once I got back to Atlanta, I, my best friend says, okay, you've written this thing. Now you need to make it happen. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what, I'm going to do it. So I had auditions, 400 people came to the audition. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? I was like, (laughs) it's kind of like, you got to really, you really have to, you, you have to do it now because the people are there behind it. And um, yeah, it was like, I, I, I was, uh, it was kind of like my year of yes to after that traumatic experience because yeah. I got back into acting. I'd started doing some local theater and mm. I was in a play and the young lady that I was in a play with had just moved here from LA. She just graduated from Berkeley and she was looking to do some other projects too. And she wanted to get into directing. So I was like, bam, mm. I'm working on a web series. Here's this pilot script. What do you think? She's like, I'm in. And so my team yes. was just organically starting to happen. Because remember, it used to say you network across versus trying to go yes. all the way up to the top. And yep. I met this guy named Zane who had just graduated from film school, who had started his own production company. He's Indian and Pakistani. Um, and Scales, I wanted Scales to have that diversity. I want you know that mm. diverse, diverse input. Ava DuVernay mm-hmm. was talking about how like Queen Sugar, she would bring in a different female director to direct episode. So I knew Shirley, Mm. my female director, I knew that I wanted that to happen. We met at a Starbucks and five hours later, the Scales creative crew, that family was born. And six six years later, you know, we just, we just finished season four. It's going to premiere fall. So it's, it's it's just been a passion project that evolved into so many so many things. And there's just such oh great gosh. representation in the, the show that I really love too. That is like, that is such a, sw- I love that story so much. I feel like, you know, um, oftentimes, I feel like people forget the process as far as like being creative, um, producing this idea, dreaming something and like making it happen essentially. I even think about like this podcast, like the name used to be different, the, the everything used to be different about this show. And like, I've, I had this realization a few weeks ago that like when I was a kid, I literally, one of my dreams that I just like let go. Cause I was like, I don't know how much money you can make doing that. I'm not going to do it. But like, I wanted to be like a, a radio host. Like I wanted to be on the radio. Like that's what I wanted to do. I'm like, I was like, you know, practicing my silky smooth voice. Like, yo, you're tuning into, you know, <laughs> it's just doing, just, just doing that. And like, I would listen to like, you know, those late night, um, whatever, where people are doing their shout outs to their booze and, um, dedicating the songs or whatever and I like loved it you know um, and it wasn't until like this is year three of the podcast I'm like oh shit I'm doing it like I'm actually doing it and like people like it and, and like and people want to like support and be on the show Patrick thank you and be on the show and talk to me about like dope stuff so it's like uh, I don't know I, I love to hear other people's stories about like something that like they just thought about for so long and finally did it and like now six years later four seasons later 400 people showing up at the first audition later. Like, it's just a beautiful thing. I, I absolutely yeah. love it. Absolutely love it. So everybody tune in. To, you better tune into Scales. I'm going to binge it for and get prepped for uh, season uh, season four um, this fall. Amazing. You said everywhere. You can find it everywhere. You can find it. Um, there's limited episodes on YouTube. But if you type up Scales okay. web series, you can at least get an idea. There are a couple episodes there. I do have seasons one and two are on um a platform called reverietv.com and ah, yeah i have um Quayle tv that you know lil rail who's the head of uh comedic or comedy content is on the board for Quayle tv season one is there too uh every now Love and then it. i'll have a you know i'll just show all three seasons especially as we're getting close to season four because season four is really really good so i'll mm. so if you For those of you that are listening, which hopefully it's a lot of you because uh, this podcast is dope and I did hear some episodes and I love it. So appreciate you. you. I'm giving you. Appreciate you. uh, (laughs) You know, if they check it, check it out more. The full thing will be running later this summer so people can catch Mm. up before season four drops. Season four is 
probably the absolute best season I think I've ever, <sighs> I think we've ever done this season. Of course, probably the best. So, all right, I'm super excited. Me and my partner are. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna watch. We're gonna tune in for sure, Patrick. Thank yeah, thank you so much for that. That's not even the main thing that we're talking about today. But I'm like, I was just so curious. <laughs> I was just so curious. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to know more. Well, I'm just gonna flat out like ask it. I know like when I reached out to, um, we're both part of the uh, Black Speakers Collective, um, and I reached out to some folks and was like, yo, um, I'm doing this theme, Black masculinity for the opening theme for the new reader iteration of the show um and you like were one of the first people to like respond and so i'm i'm curious just right off top like what what is it about this topic that like excited you that you wanted to talk about it i got my own reasons because i feel like there's just so much toxicity around it um and so like i'm curious for you like what stuck out to you about like talking about black masculinity <laughs> you know the the black masculinity is such a it's a it's a hot topic for me and mm. because I've been in spaces where I, I even some of my friends that they, they probably don't even know that they're what they're spewing is toxic because mm. I, I think they are but it but I also look at it as teachable moments because I, if mm. I have no problems getting you to a place out of ignorance into yes. awareness but mm-hmm. I remembered um, for me I remembered the challenge of, like I said, I mentioned not to, this is not to really talk about scales, but I remember mm-hmm. when I had the premiere for scales and audience, we had a full premiere in Atlanta. Um, there was like, nice. I think 300 something people came to the premiere and we did a Q and A afterwards. And I remember this audience member stood up and said, you know, I really like the show. He says, but you know, I'm, I'm straight, but, um, you know, I, I like that these these characters were like, um, they were, you know, they may be, you know, part of the LGB something community, but they were like a man's man. And mm. that really, I was like, what? <laughs> it was kind of like, it's on those moments, because one, you're on a stage, because you're there for a premiere, you don't, it's like, I don't want to put on my James Baldwin hat and like. Take yeah, I was a bit, yeah, I was about to say, I love James Baldwin. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's like, you got to be professional about it. But I was like, that's a real problem for me because what, yes. what why, what why, heck? like, why say that? And what does, what does black masculinity, like, what does that really even mm. mean? And mm-hmm. why is it that you're saying that you're able to, you have to shout out who you were saying, oh, I'm straight, straight, straight. Like, where does yeah. that, where's the root of that? coming from Mm -hmm. and so that's always been something that i remember i didn't let the conversation go too long with that audience member because again there were other people with questions but it made me want to talk more about it with my friends and even with my um friends who are heterosexual yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) to kind of understand where that comes from and why you know Mm. and there's each one of them had a different story and a different path of mm. why they feel it's important to lead with that. And, you know, some, you know, it's, it's somewhat painful because again, even, yeah. even as someone who identifies as part of the LGBTQ community, there is something innately in like the nature part of how we as young men, young boys are, we're taught to really like, if you fall off your bike it's like, that's a rite of passage. Oh, you're supposed to write off your You're not supposed to cry or it, 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 there's mm-hmm. so many things that happen at that age, I think that really feeds into the trauma that you experience, especially as you get older. You know, I grew up in Chicago mm-hmm. and I mean, there's mm-hmm. just your environment. You, you weren't mm-hmm. allowed to, if you were going to be, you know, effeminate or had different, ways that were less than what is seen as super masculine, you would be bullied. Mm-hmm. You would get, you know, all, all types of things would happen. So it's just, I've mm-hmm. always wanted to really go there with people to talk about mm-hmm. and explore, you know, Black masculinity, the stem of it. What can we do to change it? If anything, how mm-hmm. does society play yeah. into it? What does the media do to counter the issue or, you know, all that kind of thing. So that's why yeah. I wanted to. And then I also, I again, I'd done my research. 
I listened to a couple of your episodes. You had the Appreciate secret. You. I was like, okay, this is this is not a Wendy Williams type of podcast. This is no, good. this is good. So I want to show this. That's why. So. That's honestly, I know that. So, because I do want to come back to that story, because there's something interesting about that, in like in parts of it that I relate to, and parts of it that I've unlearned and unpacked, and like for me, realized like before while I, it was important for me to like put on this affront that like, yo, I'm, I just want everybody to know I'm hetero, but blah, 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 blah. But anyway, so I think when me and Reggie, the intern were uh, talking about this, I think that like there was fear for me because as I'm, this, this, I'm still like trying to, the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because I want to do better. And I, what I don't want to do is cause any levels of harm to, um, well, hmm. I don't want to cause a greater level of harm. Like there are parts of myself that I'm like ignorant on. I recognize that. Like I will unintentionally cause some levels of harm, right? And hopefully that I will be lovingly called in. But I think that there is something that like I am seeing and witnessing now that I've grown in like a greater level of consciousness around my own gender, around my own masculinity, femininity, all parts of my own being that like I just look and I'm like, bro, like this something ain't right about this. Like, and I don't know why like folks cling to these ideas that actually aren't really serving us. Like they really aren't and there's no really purpose and they're actually causing more harm, not just to like, they're causing harm to black people, but like, you know, um, it's just so much harm that has been caused. <laughs> so like the LGBTQ plus community, like I, I, I in particular, I've like, as I've made more friends, as I've gotten more exposed, as people have called me in, have corrected me, I've educated myself because I don't want to burden anybody. It's just like there's so much harm. And so like we got to have conversations about this and what this looks like, particularly for like cishet men. Like y'all, like we heterosexual men got to figure out because there's like a toxic toxicity that happens. Anyways, I, I, anyways, I'm, I'm on my own journey. And so I appreciate you going on there with me. And I appreciate that. Sure. Uh, you lo- listen to these the episodes and it felt safe enough for you to be here. So I appreciate sure, yes. that. <laughs> I'm not going to go on a whole long whatever. But um, but to go on to the to talk about the story, it's so interesting that like and I think you named this that the person like felt the need to say that like I'm straight, you know, before yeah. even complimenting this story that actually doesn't center straightness, like doesn't isn't heteronormative. And um and like parts of me, I see that and I'm like, bro, you didn't even need to do that. Just say what you need. Like you like, why are you doing that? And I feel like it. Ha- I feel like it's both outward, like to show everybody else in the room, but also like inward to show like there's some like level of insecurity there as I'm like thinking about my own growth and, and how I'm upbringing, like when did that point start of like where that was something that was important to me? Right. Of like proving that I was like a man, proving that I was a man's man. Is there was there a point that you realized that for yourself of like that that was important, not for you, but like in society that 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 you got to be a man's man or whatever, particularly even being black, too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, just, Mm. you know, like I say, growing up on the west side of Chicago, um, Mm. there's there's just it's it's a, a environment. It's a cultural stigma of how you have to show up. Like you, you know, I think it was Paul Lawrence Dunbar that talked about we wear the mask. So we wear these different masks and, you know, we're already wearing, it's one mask we can never take off and that's the color, our skin color, we're black. But then it's mm-hmm. these masks of how you have to present yourself out into the world. You can't, mm. it's almost like this innate thing where you can't show emotions about certain things. I remember seeing, um, this kid, he get he got picked on in school because he was what you, I guess you would say, it was effeminate, an effeminate young mm. boy. And I remembered not, I was frozen because I knew it wasn't right, but I mm. didn't say anything while they picked on him in the cafeteria. And mm. again, thank God, I always thank God that because I am of a particular age that we didn't have social media, we didn't have the Instagram because it just the damage that that would have continued to do if had that been recorded. And I remember years later running into him at a grocery store and apologizing to him for not saying anything. And I told him I was afraid because if I would have said something, it would have meant that one, even though 
Um, he he I, he is uh, a part of the LGBTQ plus community, but at that time you didn't you know nobody really knew what that was in like ten years old, eleven years old. But the fact that yeah, to yeah. run into run it run into him, I mean now they do, but back then it was a, a thing that you really talked about. But to run into yeah, him at yeah. the grocery store, I apologized and I said I think it was because of fear of me not wanting to be um, seen as weak when. Mm me coming to stand up for you wasn't weak. It really would have been actually strong to do that, Mm -hmm. but I didn't. Mm. And then there was just so many, the fear of, I didn't want to be looped into that stigma or being seen less than. And I think Mm. it was kind of until he, he actually, you know, it was just, we had a great moment standing in front of the grocery store. It was like my own healing too, because again, that should have never happened, but that's just how, it's kind of like how the environment that it's just how the world is set up. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate because again, I don't think there's, I hate to sound so pessimistic, but I don't think there's a cure for it because mm-hmm. it's going to continue to generate. I mean, I, I, I go on TikTok, I go on to all mm-hmm. other social media platforms and you see it, whether like the Met Gala, you see certain, like, I think it was Bad Bunny. He wore the, the white suit with the back cut out. And I saw the comments. Some of them was mm. like cheering it on, but then you saw like really hardcore. And I'm like, it's 2023. Like we're yeah, still yeah, yeah. having these com- like you know what do people have? To- I always have, I've always felt this way. Well, wait, I've always felt this way as an adult. I'm saying as an adult, okay. I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't have to prove my masculinity to mm, anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to yep, me, yep, yep. that validates because I know who I am. And if you mm-hmm. think that, oh, well, I'm feminine or whatever, I don't care because I know that I'm a good person, a decent person. I know that there are things mm-hmm. that make me emotional. Still Magnolia's with Sally Fields and Julia Roberts brings tears to my eyes to this day. And I, I own it. And I talk mm-hmm. about it. Philadelphia <laughs> yes, yes. with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington brings tears to my eyes. I yes. own it. I talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think... There's nothing wrong with being able to show those kind of emotions. And mm. and it's like, why do we feel like being emotional and being vulnerable is a sign of weakness? Because if you think mm-hmm. about it, if we were, if this world was set up to where there was no such thing as we, if where you were not being judged because you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you allow yourself to express the pain and hurt that you have, I think one, mm-hmm. it would eliminate so much of the the black on black crime. It would also maybe mm. derail the stigma of cops seeing black as evil or black men as bad mm. because we're able to like it would have changed that whole culture norm of black is so bad because we could just be able to be in a space where we are allowed to say, I hurt, I cry, I don't have mm-hmm. to be so tough. I can yeah. Let my guard. I can when I hurt. I hurt. There are a lot of men that are now adult men that unfortunately didn't grow up in a household where they could get hugs or where they could talk about Mm -hmm. their feelings, and so then they have to kind of let society determine their feelings for them, and then they act out when Mm -hmm. things happen. So, yeah, yeah. Let me land that plane. I was going way taking us off. It's it's all good. It's all good. I love long. I love uh, long stories. Uh, I yeah, something that like kept coming to mind as you were sharing it's like this the hyper masculinity is like an overcorrection because like folks don't want to be seen as weak and i think well let me just ask it as a question like do you think that you know masculinity of uh, being seen as less masculine or seen being seen as more feminine is that seen as being weak i think society has that pressure that says that it's weak but i mean me personally mm-hmm. i don't I would much rather have a person in my life who, and I and I have friends of all um, sexualities. Mm-hmm. When we talk, I remember I was having a really bad day a few years ago, and I went to a really good friend of mine's who just was like, "I'm going to give you a hug," and mm-hmm. it was it was like just two 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 friends hugging it was empathy mm-hmm. empathy isn't a yeah. weakness and i think yeah and you know if if it has to go on record now listeners i want you guys to hear this he is he he does identify as a heterosexual male 
But he mm-hmm. also he also grew up in a household where you could get the hugs, and the mom mm-hmm. and dad said it's okay to have empathy. That's not seen as a weakness. And I think that too goes into that we have to erase these stereotypes in trying to say what proves proof of you as, you know, being masculine. I mean, I think that's just, mm. I think it's just absurd. What's wrong with just being a well-balanced individual? If something hurts yes. you, Jonathan, and you say something, I should be able to say, Jonathan, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I, you know, I mm. will keep you in my prayers. That's not, yeah. that's not that. That's just one person to another just saying, I hear you. I hate that that's happening. And I'm thinking about you in a way of healing and helping you. Not, oh, I'm thinking of you in a way, oh, I'm trying to get your number. Like that's dumb. Or it's just yeah, yeah, absurd. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's weird. It, it truly is absurd. It's kind of weird that that's always the thought that some folks go to. It's like, bro, I, I just care about you as a human being. Like it really is just being human, you know? And I think back to like even... And just being black, it like it also adds like another layer to it. It 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 feel like there are so many, as you said earlier, like ways that society tries to dictate how us as black men should feel, should be, exist. And like I feel like for somebody who is trying to be more compassionate, trying to be em- empathetic, trying to not allow society or the world to dictate how I choose to exist um, and be fully um, comfortable and confident in me, it can be really, really hard sometimes. I feel like, you know, so there's, even as an adult, I I feel really secure in myself. Like even when, you know, I will look my, I'll look some of my uncles dead in the face and I'll be like, I love you. And I won't add anything to it. And they're like, I love you too. (laughs) And like, like, I'll let my like hug linger because I'm like, I truly missed you. You know what I'm saying? It just be all right with like that and like, oh, stop that, man. I'm like, no, I'm not going to stop loving you. You want me to stop loving you? Like, it's so it's so interesting. But uh, for you, how do you feel like even just like blackness, that layer, that added layer, like may add to that, if at all? We well, think about I masculinity. Think the layer of the blackness, that's the part where I, I don't want to mix up my um, my quotes, but I... It, 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 I, it may have been Baldwin, but it may not have been Baldwin, who said, like, to be Black in America is to be in a state of rage all the time. Mm, yeah, that's Baldwin. That, yeah, yeah, Is that Baldwin too? Okay. Yeah, so it is. Yep. It, it's like that part of the Blackness is part of the the infrastructure to why there's this force of nature that we're trying to juggle in our Black skin. Mm-hmm. Because we do have to, in a way, assert ourselves a different way in society Mm. that has to balance multiple lines. Like we want to make sure that we appear non-aggressive, but we also Mm -hmm. want to make sure that we appear like, you know, like, yo, what's up? Like we, (laughs) it's it's unfortunate because you you have to juggle. There's so many different Mm. masks that we have to put on that mm. there's so much of the, the generational historical trauma that we're having to sort of navigate through, plus trying to accept who we are as individuals, the human side, mm. yet still yeah. deal with the the outside forces of the world, with the the different the the cop killings that we see, the uh. the. January 6th that we saw happen. And for, like that too was trauma of us witnessing what was happening, knowing, and mm-hmm. again, that's the blackness. It's, we re- yeah. recognize that in this world, there is a class system and being a certain color, you're put in a different class and you're trying to mm-hmm. balance all of that while still trying to sometimes your cup either run runneth over or your cup is on E mm. because you're like, I don't have anything else to give. So I'm angry. And so when you're angry, all you can give is the oh, hyper masculine, the toxicity, because you're just like, I have zero Fs to give to be sensitive mm. in this world that's not giving me the hugs. Yeah. They're not giving me the hugs and telling me it's going to be okay. There's a target on my back at all times. And so if I let my guard down, 
then I'm going to be seen this way. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's really a long saga that, gentlemen, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I literally, yeah. I literally don't know. I, I that's why I was like, I don't want to be a pessimistic, but I, I just don't know. But blackness, it, it carries. It, it's like a Tetris game. It's hard trying to mm. figure out the pieces. Yeah, that's such a. It's a really good point, and like the weight of, the weight of being black, like is just an added an added layer that. The word is not overcomplicates. It is. I want to say convoluted. It, it's just like there's so much there, right? And I think you 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 shared it too of just like, yeah, I I'm I am simultaneously seen as like I can't be angry because if I'm seen as angry, then I'm seen as like this brute, right, or this monster, even though I'm not doing anything. I'm likely seen as that already. And then there's the other part where I'm like, if I'm too like soft or bubbly or like you know, smiley or whatever, like I'm not really taken seriously or even seen as professional. And so like there is a very, very, very fine line that I feel like I at times in my life have to been have been forced to like walk. And anytime I've crossed that, even a slightly, right? Like I particularly in predominantly white spaces that I have been like immediately I feel like all eyes are on me. And I think the freest I have been is like in recent years where I'm just like, I, I'm not trying to be or exist or live for anybody else, but me. And so what I, what I would say, cause I feel like there's some people that'd be like, well, I disagree because I just am not a compassionate person. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, all right, I, I, <laughs> okay. All right. You can grow in compassion. Like you can grow in your emotional intelligence, whatever, but like, you don't have to like lean into that. Right. Like you, you can be, you know, whatever it is like the stereotypical like black maleness is but like what i think what i would argue with some folks is that that is not the way to be that is not the only way to be and i feel like that is often what we are told what is communicated to us like there is only one way of being and i don't want to be that way like that's not that's not me my natural inclination actually is to nurture is to care like that is that personally that is me um, because I truly care about people. I truly love people and I want other people to thrive. Um, and I love hearing people's stories. And so like, as I have embraced more of like who I am, I think I have just become more free in understanding that my black masculinity, like how I choose to show up in the world is different. And I respect other people, but like, it's just, it's just wild that like people have so many weird, odd things to say because they, are unprocessed, ignorant, maybe um, insecure, haven't had that space to be. There's so many different reasons. It's it's nuanced, but yeah, I, I think that that's been my own journey, and I think it's just been it's been a good one more recently. But it's been a it's been a hard one, I think, to get to this point. To be honest, if I'm being absolutely honest with you, it, it's been very difficult to be here and like be confident in this way. Oh, well, yeah. uh, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that takes a, like this yeah. is the blueprint. Like other people need to hear that, like understand that journey that you've been on and that that sharing of that, like that knowledge is power. And I think yes, when you, it's only when you choose to, to ignore it that you have to always make sure that you stand out with the, um, you know, identifying who you are and then too mm-hmm. with the stigma behind the no homo because again that was a big word that we would use in high school like you mm-hmm. i was i was on the basketball team and you know things happen but up oh, but no homo like it was yeah like, <laughs> it, that, it's like get in the base yeah. and you make sure yeah you say that to protect yeah every single thing versus you know yeah I, I, being comfortable now in your own skin to be able to just this is just i'm just a person that generally just cares about just a decent, a decent human being. Like you just want to be a decent yeah. human being in the world. I just, uh, bro, I just want to be. Can I just be, bro? Right. Like I want to frolic in some goddamn flowers, and yes. then I will go hoop right after. Like I, I just want to be, you know. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, well, I think for me, as I'm thinking about, um, there are still some things that I am trying to explore and trying to wonder. And I think the biggest question for me is like. I know you said you don't want to be a pessimist, but like, how how do we fix? Uh, not fix because we can't like 
fix it, fix it. But like, I don't know, how do we get more comfortable? How do I get more comfortable? I think that's the question for me. I'm curious for you, are there still questions that you're like processing when it comes to like your blackness or uh, your blackness and masculinity for yourself? Oh, wow. That is a, Jonathan, that is a, that's an Oprah Winfrey question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, when it comes to the blackness, I never question that. Like I know Mm. that I am black and I know who I am. I know the legacy in which I come from in terms Mm -hmm. of the, the greatness that exists did before me, the people that like I, I recognize who I am. And I think that's a superpower. Like when you can truly mm-hmm. own who you are. I understand. I, and, and, but the thing is too, very similar to like what you mentioned, uh, this was a journey for me in terms of owning the blackness, because for me, I had to own the blackness. I had to own my sexuality, of, you know, being the black gay man, like that mm-hmm. black gay, the man, like it was just a whole gamut of things to be able Mm -hmm. to say, but this is me and I stand in that. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. recognize who I am when it comes to the masculinity part. It was a muscle that I had to work on and, and I not in my own masculinity, but just um, understand like, so here, here, here's a scenario. I'm going to give two quick scenarios. Go ahead, please. We, We got time. Yeah. So on the, so one, one of them has to do with, like on the, the creative side, the, the mm. filmmaker part. So in scales, there are actors who are playing characters that identify, the characters are identified as part of the LGBTQ plus community, but they in real mm. life are not. And mm. when we cast some of these actors, I struggled with mm. that because I was just like, oh my God. You, one, you sure you're going to be in this show and you're like, wait, what's happening here? It was. Yes, like, yes. <laughs> but I remember one of the actors saying to me, he says, well, one, Patrick, I'm an actor and I'm dedicated to my craft. But on top mm. of that, I know who I am. Mm. And it was so powerful for me to hear that. And, I, and this was a few years ago. So I was like 35 years old. So to hear mm-hmm. someone say, he was like, He's like, I don't care what people think. He's like, I don't care. He was like, this is a good role. I liked what you're, the story you're trying to tell. I don't need to, after, if it airs or whatever, I don't have to go out into the world and say, I'm a straight male or he says, I'm comfortable with me. And mm-hmm. hearing that actor say that, and well, actually both of the actors say that to me was a light bulb for myself is like, that's the part of being comfortable in your skin too. understanding. I know yeah. what I look like. Meaning I, I look yep. in the mirror. I know my shade of I'm black. I'm nothing yes. else. <laughs> <And> <laughs> understanding too, that, um, that I am a part of the LGBTQ plus community, which this is for another, another show that maybe you'll book me for later. But when I, yeah, did, yeah. <laughs> when I did scales season one, there were people that I fully that didn't know my sexuality, that I was close to. Mm. And mm. that's a whole box of masculinity and fearness and journeys that had to happen. And I think too, because mm. a part of me was like, well, if I tell them, they might not want to be my friend because they're going to think that the times we hung out, it was something else. Like that's a whole, that's wow. again, that's a whole different yeah, box. That's, that's so that. much. Yeah, yeah. That's but, a, yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's those journeys of, but once you, like your thing said, which I, I love and you need to, also got to send me the name of it everyday courage yeah i was like put it on my wall but it's having that courage to walk in your truth and walk in who you are Mm. and just being able to own your blackness and understand that yes masculinity it it, it's a word that i feel should almost be removed from my vocabulary but it's it's not Mm. Because again, the, the same thing happens to, to to women, you know, black women or mm-hmm. just women in general. They want people will say, "Oh, they need to be more aggressive." They need to, why? Why are we putting that yeah. there? Why it's it's mm-hmm. feeding into that negative universe of things. So, 
so yeah, it's a journey. It's a journey, but yes, I, I yeah. the self awareness I think that you have expressed as, as well as myself. I think that's how we begin to continue to educate others, have the conversation, but also be open to conversation conversations with the people who lead with no homo and uh, yeah. Straight. yeah, yeah, be be open and not quick to just shut them down. Because again, that, that was yeah. a for me too, to be like, hey, mm-hmm. this is a good time. This wasn't a teachable moment, but hey, let's get together and let's really talk about that and why why you felt that you needed to do that. It's, it's, it, it works both ways. I need to hear you out mm-hmm. and you need to hear me out and let's see where we can meet in the middle afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that so much, uh, Patrick. I, I, I love that story. Uh, all right, Patrick. Well, thank you so much. I, I mean, if you got any other things to promote share what do the people need to know about you um i this is your i want to give you full um carbon to just share whatever um as we uh, as we wrap up well thank you again thank you so much for having me this is this is a full circle moment because again i was a fan uh last year and it's to be back here (laughs) to be here this year it's great i would just tell people um if they want to i love talking shop around film tv creativity to look me up on the IG. Um, yeah. I am Patrick Ladonis is my IG. Uh, you could reach out to me on YouTube, Scales the Web Series, if you want to talk about some collaboration or some, especially if you're in Atlanta, I'm always looking to mm. connect with creatives there. But then on the flip side, business hat, if you want to talk strategy, consulting, that kind of thing too, um, there is there's going to be a fee. But uh, yes, I'm yes, yes. looking forward to to working. To I'm looking forward to working and just having conversation all, all around. And if you're looking to hire someone to be your motivational speaker or to sit on your panel or something like that, too, uh, I'm available. And my information will be up on this platform. But Patrick Sutton, you can find me. And um, not to not to be like Kim Kardashian on it, but you can Google me. You'll find me. Um, awesome. Well, Patrick, thank you so much. Listeners, everything, all all of everything that Patrick shared as much as I can, I'll put it in the show notes so you can check those out. But um, yeah, that was Patrick. Thank you so much. Later. <laughs>